Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. And suddenly you're having a conversation with them where they are able to understand the person they're talking to, whereas before they just sat in the room during the year-end meeting and um, nobody's really explained why the figures are what they are. So the starting point is just give them a little bit of information about how you can solve their current problem. Nobody changes if they haven't got a problem. This podcast is part two of a two-part discussion with Luke Smith of his firm Purpose on the island of Jersey. In this part of the discussion, you'll hear Luke Smith of his firm Purpose, based on the island of Jersey, talk in quite a bit of detail about how important it is for him to take full responsibility for making his clients more money, generating a return on investment from the time and effort that he has with the clients. And as a predominantly advisory firm, this is a really, really valuable conversation that you're going to get some real powerful insights from, as do the other accountants that are actually involved in this discussion with Luke. So watch out for those other people interviewing him, not just me. Let's dive into that discussion with Luke now. Yeah, Luke, just on the on the client side, Chris Drinkwater had a, um, a nice question around the acquisition side. Chris, do you want to unmute? Yeah, so... Um... Obviously, it doesn't matter what size of clients you might have. Uh, there's always the time sapping ones. Um, I was just, you know, interested really because on those size of fees and obviously promising perhaps the world, um, some probably go in a direction that's unsustainable and uh, uh, and just really do um, want too much that you can't provide perhaps. Um have you come across that and anyone that you've had to end up parting ways because you thought actually it's um, draining my attention away from the ones that deserve it? Um, not, not some, the only two that have left um, didn't listen and were too small. So, um, you know, the, the lesson learned there was if they're under half a million turnover, they still aren't ready to have a conversation where, um, they let someone else help advise them. Um, in terms of, you know, time draining, I had one client who we ended up charging 140 grand a year to um, because they grew to 21 million turnover. And um, it was from, we started with them when they were 5 million and then they ended up being 20, over 21 million. And we had three people, including most of my time, full time on them. And that was quite a pain. Um, but it was a significant fee at the time and helped generate enough profit to, to grow the rest of the staff across the other side of the business. So, um, and, you know, they gave me some shares in the business and we sold out a couple of years ago and that was lovely. So, the, you know, the, you have to make sure um, that you're getting value for what you're doing because, um, you know, we've, we lost one this year to COVID, um, you know, had 10% shareholding in that and we thought it was worth you know, quite a lot. And um, one day they were making 50 grand a day turnover and the next day it was zero. So, um, you know, the, you have to make the money as you go along uh, as well. But you just, just have to say, listen, this is this is what we're doing. Things have changed and um, fees need to go up. Again, another client, uh, 2011, we were charging them, I think, two grand a month. And 2017, it was 
70, 80 grand a year. Um, and the sales pitch that I often give is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you to a point where you need a full-time FD. And unfortunately, a couple of times that's happened. Um, but, um, you, you know, the, uh, that, that they've still kept either me on the board or the FD has come in and we're still doing the nuts and bolts for them because the relationship is so strong. Hmm. So the, the, it, you really do. Can, and you were there at the start when they weren't that, that big and you've helped them get there. So they don't want to go. Um, and we do have a few that are just like, oh, for God's sake, grow up. But um, you just, bullies only respond to strength. So you have to be a bit strong with those ones. Okay. And, and, and so like if you have, um, you know, you start the relationship off and you say it's going to be 30 grand, how do you get them from there to 70? You know, what, what conversations are you having along the way? Um, yeah. So, so allow you to take those next jumps. You know, if, if staff numbers go from, um, you know, with the with 140 grand one, we had 40 staff when we started. When we finished, there were 210. Um, the one that went from 30 to 875, 80, they went into four or five different jurisdictions. When you can't, you can't introduce extra fees just for the sake of it. You have to be able to say, well, listen, you've got another entity or you've got another product line or you've got five to 10 more staff. You know, all those things have an impact. And um, we generally don't do annual fee increases. We just have a look at it and say, the business has changed by this much. If we were repricing this, what would we price it at now? And then we tell them, you know, in three months time, we think this is fair and nobody ever says no. So what triggers, what triggers those conversations, Luke? Johnny or George getting grumpy with how busy they are. So, you know, there's, there's no real methodology to it. Right. And this doesn't feel reasonable. Um, you know, and we don't do timesheets, so we don't ever have a clue about how much anything takes, you know, in terms of time. Um, so it is just, uh, this isn't fair. The business has changed. Yeah. Um, but normally it's quite a significant thing. Like, you know, most of the clients of a million plus are looking to grow to four or five million. And throughout that process, they are doing lots of things and you're helping budget those things. And when you're having that budget conversation, you're saying, well, if you're going to set up this business or you're going to do that or the other, we're going to have to charge more because there's more work to do. And they're like, yeah, fair enough. So yesterday, someone rang me yesterday and he goes, oh, I'm going to set up in the UK. Um, presumably, you need to charge me the same as what you are at the moment. I was thinking, I can't justify that because it's just a tiny startup. But, um, you know, he was actually asking if we were going to double the fees. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. But, you know, um, there is, you know, we've got people thinking about it now because we talk about it with them when there's a major change. Yeah. Can I ask, do, do, are you managing mm. your clients stroke prospects expectations in any way Luke about the growth of the firm and the growth of the fees that go with it probably should be but we're not no because it doesn't happen until it happens and then when it happens they're so intent on making the change happen they don't really care about the cost of it Mm. yeah very good very good so tell me when, when you're going into let's just deal with a prospect sorry Chris are you happy that you got your question answered there Chris yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, thank, uh, you. thank you. Very good. Very good. Um, so we're into your, your first meeting, new prospect, however they've come to you. Um, we deal with the lead gen if we get the chance. Um, how's that conversation structured? What questions are you asking, Luke? 
how do you open to begin with? You know, well, normally it's just like, you know, how, how can I help? You know, it's, um, there's already, um, what's it called? The Naked, um, the Naked Advisor or something yeah. by Patrick Lencioni. Um, and um, that book's excellent in terms of how do you open that conversation with a consultancy prospect? Um, and it's basically just seeing, try and solve a problem. Um, quite often the problem is they don't think it's a lack of visibility. All of them think they know what's going on. I mean, they don't, but they all think they do. Mm. Normally it's um, all, everything's in place, but the cash cut in the bank account doesn't match the profit. We talk a little bit about the working capital, like how do they bill? So do they bill up front? Do they bill after? What's the collection? You know, start to get underneath the skin of that, start to give them a few ideas around how they might change that. And then say, you know, but we won't know until we've properly looked at everything and um, actually got underneath the skin of, of how the business is working and, and what profits it's making. Um, and normally what I do in the in the second chat is um, at the end of the first one, I've asked them to send me a link to Zero or QuickBooks or um, whatever system they might or might not be using. And then pretty quickly you can see mistakes in what the previous accounts have done and also um, areas that don't make any sense. And once you sit there with the balance sheet and explain to them, listen, this doesn't make sense, um, they go, no, you're right, I've never understood that. And suddenly you're having a conversation with them where they are able to understand the person they're talking to, whereas before they've just sat in the room during the year-end meeting and um, nobody's really explained why the figures are what they are. And that's probably a good thing because they're probably wrong. You know, that, that's, that, that, that's the, so the starting point is just give them a little bit of information about how you can solve their current problem. Nobody changes if they haven't got a problem. You know, they, they're always wanting to, to and, and, but they always do have a, you know, even us, you know, we've got, we've got problems that we need to fix. Um, and, um, you know, having, they're too busy to solve those problems themselves and they haven't got anyone else in the business to help them. And we've got credibility in helping people. So it's just, you know, we can help if you let us. Right. So if, if I've heard you right, it's as simple as asking questions like, how can I help? How do you bill for your work? How are profits generated? And yeah. Is that the essence of the conversation? In yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, um, I mean, some people are now coming in because they know we do full outsource and they don't want to take on a bookkeeper or have anything to do with finance. Um, but the consultancy ones are generally coming coming in because um, they're, they're turning over a lot of money, they're working harder than ever, and they're not making any money, and they don't know why. Because everything they know everything, but they don't know why they're not making any money. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, so do they... Do they fall into how do you how do you categorize prospects from the end at the end of that first meeting or even before for that matter? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so I think there's probably three groups. There's the people who are genuinely interested in growing their business and understanding the next stage of development of their company, who are great because they just listen and 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 it all works well. You've got the second group that I just talked about who are just don't know why. They think they know it all. You can't tell them anything about how to run their business, but they're just not making any money. And, and, and so they're exasperated. And then you've got the people who um, come in, think they want the support from an accountant, but just 
won't pay any money for anything you know so they'd rather do the invoicing themselves they'd rather do it all themselves and just not bother making a change and they're just time wasters so um group one is easy and great there aren't a lot of people on the planet like that in my experience um group two is the core and that's where it's like you know you're telling me you know everything but you're making losses so that can't be the case you have to be a bit of a dick with those people um explain yeah. that phrase what do you mean you've got to be a bit of a dick <laughs> well i had a, a bodybuilder who'd run his business for 10 years leave and tell my best mate that he cried after the meeting so um you know very direct around this isn't working and as hard as you're working you're failing what do you want to do Right. Brutal truths. Brutal. Yeah. And, and, you know, often, so the Gerber message is if you're, um, you know, it's a hobby, not a business. Quite often what we do is people come in and say, well, I'm making a profit. And I go, okay, what would I have to pay you to run this business? And they say 80 grand. And I said, your profit's 30 and you're not taking the salary. So you're losing money. And they go, and they don't want to admit it, but it's true. And they can't get away from that. So, um, and I say, and you, you know, you spent four or 500 grand buying this thing and you're paying interest and you're also losing money on that because you could have put that money somewhere else and made a better return. And they're like, yeah. And then it's that slow realization that actually I'm, I'm bad at this. I need some help. And, and that, and so I'm, I'm now fishing for what goals are you setting out to achieving meeting one? And it sounds as though you're aiming for brutal truth. So have I misunderstood that? No, well, I, I, to be honest, it's not that structured. It's just like, where does this conversation go? And does this person need some tough love or are they having a breakdown already? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, that, that's the process. I mean, it's not, I probably should spend more time thinking about that and I'd probably be more successful if I did. But um, no, I mean, it's basically what's going on um, and, and how do you feel about things and do you want it to be better? And then the, the really hard bit is we can definitely help with all that, but it's going to cost you five or six times the amount you're currently paying. And so we've got a business that's potentially has got decent turnover not making any money, you're making losses. Mm. You're asking them to go from a three grand accounts fee to a 20 grand accounts fee. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. A big, that's a big pitch, isn't it? That? It is It is challenging. It is What's challenging. What's conversion rate, Luke? Mm, 50%. All right, wow. Okay. Because they've only come because someone else has said, just trust him. You know, um, and like I said, you know, like I said before, one of the, one of the new ones, um, he rang six of our clients for an hour each to try and justify to himself spending an extra 15 grand a year on fees. And after two months, he was, this is the greatest thing ever. Why didn't I do this 10 years ago? And I said, well, what could I have said before you came on? And he said, you couldn't have. <laughs> so I was like, oh, brilliant. So even when they've experienced it, they still can't quite articulate the value of really knowing their business to a deeper level than they've ever known. Um, and none of them, you know, have ever been through any business training. So they're just doing it off the back of having done it for someone else and then starting up themselves. And it's like, well, you know, you're, and they're quite apologetic. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't know all this. I'm like, if you did know all this, I wouldn't have a job. So, so don't worry about it. You, you know, that's the, that's, that's, that's the relationship. Yeah. Um, and um, the easiest sell is tax planning and, um, and, and technology implementation. Um, the, the the pure consultancy stuff is a difficult 
is a difficult sell. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So let, let's go. Let's go down that tech and the tax uh, avenue. Then you know, is the in, in meeting one is the questioning any different, or is that showing up in meeting two? How, how's how's well? How's we, we, we you know we'll ask you know what system are you using? What what line of business systems do you have? Um, most people don't understand that question, which is you, you know therefore good because you can say well we're using i think we're up to 26 different applications now something ridiculous you know um all of those have a purpose that that increase the value of the business most of them don't track time in their business and and um whilst we don't track time um they're not quite at a level of sophistication yet where they they can they cannot do that they need to still know the profitability of um, the difference between putting in Victorian sliders and a Velux. So I could tell you quite a lot about, about that, unfortunately. Um, and um, that's because we've got job profitability into the most of the construction and trade businesses. They always think that, that scope creep is a massive thing, which you can only track through timesheets. Um, so there's a number of technology solutions that can make a big difference. One of the clients is a, a kitchen design and um, company, and they've... They argued with me for five months about putting in harvest and they found six grand of extra revenue last month. So that was humble pie. Um, and, uh, you know, lots of these lots of these people who you have to convince them and you have to say, you know, trust me. Um, and you have to really feel that you think it's the right thing to do. You have to be confident in delivering that message. Otherwise, they, they won't implement. But when they do, good things always come. Right. Um, there were. I had a quick follow-up question, which you kind of started to go towards just then. Um, my, my first question was: Did you used to use timesheets and phase them out, or have you never used them? Yeah, so we we used them up until twenty thirteen, um, and I used to do uh, revenue accruals to the penny across every client. It took a long time. Um, we are we are going back to timesheets, but I'm refusing to put charge out rates in them. Um, so I will put staff cost and overhead cost in there, but it is too difficult when I'm not at the coalface to know what's going on without having them. So um, it's more we have a monthly planning session and we're estimating the amount of time it takes to do jobs. And the staff are saying that it, it it takes an extra 50% on average to what we think it should. And that's either a training issue or we're wrong. And so um, I would guess it's a training issue. Um, so um, we'll, we'll be just, we need a bit more evidence when we're talking to the team about how long they're taking and, and what it is that they're doing. Um, and so to do that, we're, we're going to go back to timesheets in January, but we won't be having anything to do with charge out rates in there um just pure cost accounting and actually um i've argued with ron baker quite a lot on linkedin about this um and uh he, oh, still, wow. he still maintains that it's not worth it and i still maintain it is so we'll see who's right over the next couple of years yeah yeah how, how have your team responded to the the, the concept of installing timesheets? They, they, they're happy because um, I'm always saying, well, hang on, why is this taking so long? Yeah. And they've got no answer to that. Right. Um, so they actually just want the, I guess, the, the, it's weird because you'd have thought the freedom would be the other way, but it's a freedom in, in knowing why things have taken the time they have. 
there's that that there's that you know people want to feel a sense of achievement don't they and if the achievements attached to the profit of the job which is what you're aiming for and by understanding the costs mm. and they can see how profitable each job is to a degree of accuracy um they're going to feel a greater sense of achievement and they're maybe um you know feel better about it well, and also we don't have a strong mechanism for finding the trigger at which the scope creeps on a project, whereas yeah. with the timesheets we will do, we'll have a mechanism for understanding yeah. they've asked for two extra things that aren't part of the box of services. Yeah. Um, and um, what we've identified already is that the consultancy time that Julie and I are doing is vastly undervalued and um, we think there's another 50 grand in there. So we're going to reprice everybody in Mar- uh, over the next three months, and and change the change the way we're pricing the via- the, the sort of consultancy service. Right. Okay. So two questions then. One both on technology. One is what what tech are you using for the timesheets? Uh, so we were, we trialed Harvest. Didn't like it. Wasn't good enough. We're going to we're using ClickUp, which is. Um, Nike and Uber and all these sorts of people are using. Johnny's used it for this month and last month just on his own. He really likes it. It's got Gantt charting, project management, all that sort of stuff, integrates with Databox and other dashboard reporting tools. So, um, well, yeah, we're going to use ClickUp. Okay. And um, in terms of pricing, are you using a, a, any tech for pricing? Uh, no, we use um, – we had a go-a-go proposal, but um, we only do – seven or eight quotes a year so and everything's bespoke so we use something called proposify which is an online um yeah quoting quoting proposal software you can integrate videos and design and all sorts of really cool stuff and it and you can tell how often they've looked at the quotes and when they're looking at it and make sneaky phone calls when they've opened it and all that sort of stuff right (laughs) sneaky phone calls (laughs) okay cool beans any any more questions in the uh, chat box douglas uh, no, not at the moment. We're up All to right, date. All right. Uh, so you, you touched on uh, the, this uh, monthly check-in with the team. I, I'm, I'm curious as to what weekly and what monthly routines are running in the firm. You know my obsession with habits, Luke. I'm just um, yeah. curious as to what, what, what. Let's go weekly first. What weekly routines take place in the firm every week without fail that contribute to you doing a good job for your clients on this monthly or quarterly basis? Yeah, so uh, it's actually daily. So we have, uh, and, and so when everybody's in the office, we have a daily huddle, 9.15, um, one minute each. During lockdown, we have two huddles, one at 9.15 and one at two o'clock uh, online. Um, and that's just what's happening today. What do we think we're getting done? What am I waiting for? Um, how are you? Um, weekly, we have a weekly SMT, um, which is 40 minutes, which is, um, me asking the boys, um, what are the deadlines for this week and what are we going to hit and which clients do we need to talk to because we either haven't got the info or um, we need to push the meeting for other reasons. Yeah. Um, we look at debtors and, and revenue in that meeting quickly as well. Um, monthly, we have a half-day monthly planning session. So like I said, there's about 40 clients with about 150 entities and most of them are consolidations um, and some of them are quarterly and some of them are monthly and some of them are 10 monthly so we're working out who's doing what how much time they're taking which juniors are reporting to which managers for which review whether or not i go to the board meeting or julie goes to the board meeting or both of us go to the board meeting depending on how much love we've given a client in a certain period of time 
Uh, and also the ones that are successful don't need an argument and therefore not me. Um, and the ones that aren't successful do need an argument and therefore me. So um, we're just working out um, and we share the workload between me and Jules. Yeah. Um, just explain who Jules is. Uh, so Julie um, is my business partner. She started with a business in 2013 and uh, I gave her some shares in 2015. And she, her background was a large uh, bank, um, 40 or 50 in their finance function. She was the head of the management accounting and reporting business performance team. Um, and so she helps architect some of the spotlight and fathom reports that we do. And she's um, a lot less argumentative and therefore good at going through the sort of detail with people that don't want an argument they just want the detail mm. so um, we split up the work between she does all the budgeting work other than the strategic piece um, and she does all of the sort of in-depth analysis stuff that I can't be bothered to do anymore yeah yeah cool beans so we've got um, while we're working remotely daily huddle at 9 15 and at two o'clock they're very brief yeah five five minutes right um, weekly SMT, how long does that take? Sorry, didn't catch that. 14. Right, okay. And who's oh, in the, so the daily little everybody, presumably? Uh, no, so it's just uh, me, Johnny George, Julie, and we've just taken another new manager, Ricardo. So it's just the managers and above. The daily huddle? In, no, in the, the daily huddle's everybody, That's except me, me, me and Julie and I don't go because Johnny's in charge of that group. Yeah. Um, and um, weekly, it's I run it and it's Jules and the managers. And uh, monthly, it's just Jules and I going through the risk register and the financial performance. Right. Risk register, what, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so grown-up businesses have decent corporate governance around risk mitigation. And um, we run risk registers for both Purpose and our clients as part of the VFD service. Right. So we look at um, death, divorce and defection. So um, death isn't death, although at the moment probably could be, um, but death uh, in terms of um, the client will go out of business. What are we doing to mitigate that risk? Divorce, um, we want them to leave. What are we doing about it? And defection, they might go somewhere else. What are we doing about it? And we look at that for both clients and staff. And then we look at um, regulatory AML risk and also strategic risk around not hitting our goals for the year. So um, that's about two hours, um, something like that, a month. Um, and then the rest of it is um, just looking at overall financial performance uh, of the business and trying to look at the clients and, and understand, are they generally, if they're making more money than they were last year, we don't have anything to worry about. It's the ones that are going in the wrong direction. How do we give them some more time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So within that, then, uh, Luke, how, how are you tracking, uh, measuring the, the success of purpose? Uh, well, so we, we just um, we, we, we track the success based on the increase in profitability. It's, the, it's not a great metric because it's not the only thing that we need to worry about. There are two or three leading performance indicators. So um, one is that they get their management accounts at le within a month of month end. Right. Um, the second one is they get their board pack at least 48 hours before the board meeting. 
Um, and the third one is they're increasing their profits. So those are if if we get the numbers out quickly, they've had enough time to review them before the meeting, and they're making more money. People don't leave. Yeah. So does that mean you're taking responsibility for your clients making more money then? Well, otherwise we're, we're pointless. So yes. Yeah, the, the only justification in that 15, 17 grand more of fees is that they're more successful. Year on year. Yeah. So there's there's no option for steady state in that setting. Uh, one, one of them said last year, my wife doesn't want me to grow the business this year, so I'm not coming to meetings anymore. I just want the accounts. So I was like, all right, fair enough. Because I don't want to push him into a situation where he's always growing. Um, but I also did say you're gonna, you might regret that a couple of years down the line. So, um, you know, it's, it's his choice. Um, yeah. But we did reduce fees, albeit we made more profit because of the way we changed the pricing. But anyway, um, he's just recommended his best mate for for exactly the same fees as him. So that obviously didn't go badly. Yeah. 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 Well, very good. Very good. Luke, on the tech front, um, Chris had a question again. Chris, do you want to? Unmute and come in. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, that um, you do Spotlight and Fathom, but I thought that they do a very similar job, really. So there must be something that you're using in one and not the other for some reason. Yeah. So the rest of my team are total pains and they won't move. Uh, and I still think Fathom's better. That, that's where we are. And um, we're, we're Fathom is really good for. Um, if I was an in-house FC, there is absolutely no doubt Fathom is the way forward. But a lot of the clients prefer the simplicity of the spotlight reports. So um, we're currently making a decision about next year. I tried to get the whole business to move across, but they didn't. They, they all got a bit grumpy and they didn't like it. But Fathom's just brought out a new version of consolidated forecasting that is, looks really good. And so we're currently going through. I'm trying to convince them all that they, they should move. Um, but uh, what we will do is we'll use Fathom for in-house where we don't need to produce reports regularly and we'll use Spotlight for the clients who just want a simple format. Um, so we will end up with two systems, which isn't great, but I'm not backing down and uh, they won't move wholesale. So there has to be a middle ground in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, Luke Smith with the middle ground. That's interesting. <laughs> no, it's, it's always a balance, Paul. It's just... Uh, you don't you know, want to lose do you? Yeah. 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 Very good. Very good. Yeah. So um what 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 challenges do you see or have seen and see going forward around this Luke centric business that you seem to have, Luke? Yeah, well, you know, the biggest problem that we've got is is not obviously scaling is hard, but the plan has always been that over over the next few years, I think we've probably got at least half of the client base who are baby boomers who are looking to, to slow down or stop. Um, the plan, uh, we've lost a couple of clients as a result of them being bought by bigger competitors. Yeah. And there's not much you can do about that when there's a finance team of 10 sitting at head office. Yeah. So um, the way to protect that revenue is to buy the client. So um, I'm currently we're currently going through a process. We've raised some money. We're creating a local business fund, um, and we should touch wood um, have our first acquisition on the first of January. There's another two planned for next year, 
Um, and then I just become chairman of a bigger group and don't have to worry about the, I'm just consulting for myself most of the time at that point. Um, so in terms of scaling purpose, very difficult to do. Um, Johnny and George are getting there slowly, but their heads are too in the weeds at the moment. So um, they can, they will be able to do it over a period of time, but they need to do the reading. Um, and the reading does take time. You know, it, it, it does take time. In terms of the guys on the call scaling, there is a difference between advisory and consultancy, and I've not defined it well, but the difference as far as I can tell is that advisory is, this is your debtor's days, these are the three ways to change your debtor's days. Consultancy is, you've got a problem, let's get a whiteboard. And scaling consultancy is incredibly difficult, scaling advisory is not, because the um, templates that you build in Spotlight promote those conversations anyway. Um, and Johnny and George are very good at doing that. What the clients won't get, that they some of them get at the moment, is that strategic view of the world and, and the way that we're changing the, the, the business model for next year is they're going to start paying for Julie and I as non-executive directors rather than as accountants and they'll pay the boys for the advisory piece. So you're making a real distinction in your clients' minds between the two. Yeah, we're effectively becoming Neds for, for, for them and, you know, it's taken a long time to realise that, that that's the way forward because... I was doing both roles, but you know, when you talk to people like Ainsley or Steve Pipe or Paul or any of the people around the industry a lot, yeah. there is they they don't believe that what we're doing is advisory. They think it's management consultancy. Mm -hmm. And I think they're probably I think they're right. So the advisory piece is actually not that challenging. Get some really good graphs together and then help your and, and the other thing you can do, which is perfectly acceptable, is do some videos. So this is your debtors day graph. If it's going up, this is the issues. If it's going down, that's the issues. And these are the three ways people do it. I mean, that's easy to, to scale. Um, the difficult bit is um, where do I go? What am I doing? How do I deal with this member of staff? How do, most of the conversations we have at the board meetings are either management or staff problems. They're not accountancy problems. Brilliant. Just, just minor point but i think quite major in a lot of people's eyes is you work out just sticking with advisory you work out the good graphs build some um you know five minute videos or whatever around that and yeah. the three ways to fix it um aren't you just giving away what to do no no you, you I, so I, I disagree with pretty much everybody martin bissett and all of them around um they say give everything away for free absolutely not if you're part of the gang, you can have stuff. If you're not, you don't. And, um, you know, we charge, we're basically, a, you know, a constant MBA course for small business owners. Mm. And if you're giving away the whole course, then the only value you've got is if you pay for a personal trainer, you go to the sessions. Whereas if you don't, you don't. So, um, you know, I, I, I would say that you don't give away anything. You do, you know, if you've got staff who don't feel confident talking about debtors days and what to do, that's a problem, wrong people. Yeah. Um, but just if the conversation turns to human problems and you don't want to resource up to have those conversations, partner with an HR or a people consultancy and get them to help. And then, you know, 
we've we've toyed with with the acquisitions that we're doing um, of the client base. We're creating a virtual board, so we're going to have a, a marketing director, a company secretary, uh, obviously us as accountants, yeah, um, and start to create virtual boards for clients where they're getting the right advice from the right people once a month yeah. and they bugger off and do whatever they need to do and then come back and we see how they've done. So it's no longer just about purpose, the accountancy, management accounts, advisory consulting piece. We've actually got an HR person that's part of the group, Yeah, marketing person part of the group. Um, yeah. Will you own then? Or will well, so, so we've we've tried we, we will do next year we we tested it last year um with both we set up a technology team we set up a hr team and they were the wrong people i think the principle was right but but yeah. the people themselves were wrong yeah and you actually need someone quite independent and grown up it's quite an expensive investment because they need to be able to manage themselves and be credible with the client straight away yeah. And I just didn't have the time to manage the two that the, the people that we brought in. Yeah. So, but but absolutely, you know, I do stray into areas that probably shouldn't sometimes around marketing and 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 stuff like that. But um, when you've got this virtual board, if they're willing to pay, you know, a grand or two a meeting, which which most of them are at a million quid turnover, then they can get some really good advice from some really clever people with the right skill sets. Yeah. 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 So I, I just want to ask this question just because it um, and it's more of a statement than any than a question really around if you've got if your clients are turning over between a million and fifteen million yeah um, if if for, just for the sake of argument the average turnover of your clients is five for the sake of argument mm-hmm. and you're charging on average twenty five grand per client um, I'm not an accountant so I can't quickly go what's the, what's twenty five grand as a percentage of five million. Mm. Well, neither can I. I'm too tired now. I don't. I don't respond to the word accountant anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, um, yeah, it's not a lot, is it? It's not a lot. Uh, yeah, I just uh, you know, it's just one of the questions that I've been I've been working with some large 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 firms recently, and um, I'm going. You know, let's just let's just do a quick assessment of a, a yeah. random set of twenty clients and just see what your fees are as a percentage of the turnover of the business. Yeah. And if you want to look at the percentage of your fee as a percentage of the profit of the business, you can if you want. But actually, you can't control that in the in the short term anyway. No. Um, and all of a sudden, they're ranking themselves um, or ranking their clients in terms of, you know, whether it's 1%, 2%, 5% or more. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, generally speaking, people will tolerate 1%. And when you get to, you know, we're 20 grand on um, on a million so that's not obviously one percent it's two percent but um you know you you it's it's quite in compliance work too you know one percent 500 grand five grand fee easy yeah if if they're up at five million they probably won't spend 50 they they probably spend 35 or 40 but again it depends you know a bookkeeper in jersey is currently thirty-seven thousand pounds a year so you know if we can um i know it's mental right but um, it, it, you know, if um, if you can outsource that for eighteen, that's obviously a good thing to do. Yeah. So the, the, that's where this whole financial control thing has started, and that is very scalable because it doesn't involve me doing anything. Um, you know, it, it's the boys setting up proper control processes, mm-hmm. and it saves clients a fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. 
Um, Luke, John, Jonathan's got a, a follow-up question in terms of the tech. Yeah, just regards to all the different softwares. You mentioned earlier you sort of use, I think you said 26 yeah. something like that, different apps. Do, do, you, do you do deals with the different app companies to buy licenses for your clients or do you get your, and therefore recharge them for those licenses or do you just get the clients to sign up to the different softwares you want? Yeah. Uh, the reason I ask, sorry, is I just had a quick look at Fathom because I've not seen it before and it just struck me as quite expensive and I sort of looked at it and went, ooh. Well, there's always a deal, Jonathan, always a deal. So, yeah. um, you know, we get you in touch with Anthony, I'm sure he'll sort you out. But um, I think... Um, we, we don't charge for um, Spotlight or Fathom. We obviously do charge for zero receipt. We make a profit on zero receipt bank harvest. Um, things like the quoting software, we get them to pay for themselves because there's no inside partner program. So it really depends which software company it is and whether or not they'll give you a tickle. Um, no. Do you do you put all of so from your perspective? I know I know you have a uh, in, ins and outs with regards to Spotlight and Fathom, but if it was up to you, would you put all of your clients on Fathom, or is it select clients that you use for? I, 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 I did try to do that last year, and there was a revolt. So um, you know, mutiny on the on the bounty, um, and we spent a lot of time and effort trying to get them across. Um, but yes, I think so because. If you're doing the higher level advisory stuff, um, the sensitivity analysis, the trend analysis, the goal seek, the there's so many cool things that they do around KPIs, around um, it's a really, really they've really thought about it, and they've got a lot of big businesses on there. I think I think Anthony said they've got fifty thousand clients, something ridiculous. Um, whereas the Spotlight guys, it does what it says and it's very good. We've used it since we started and we still continue to use it um but um it is sort of cookie cutter it's a lot more cookie cutter so um yeah but we should probably start charging for fathom so we'll do that so that's been useful today okay folks now i, I promised luke that uh, we'd uh, we'd bow out of this conversation on the uh, 11 o'clock hour so we've got uh, 13, 12 minutes to go. So if you've got any other questions you want to ask, you need to flash them up into the uh, into the chat group. But I'll, I'll keep going until they show up. Um, the, uh, talk to me about your attitude and opinions about focusing on a niche, please, Luke, would you? Yeah, well, it's, it's difficult to, um, obviously, we, we are niche. So people say, well, you're not niche because you're one client in each industry and we've got 40 industries. Um, but our niche is 1 million to 15 million, um, 5 to 200 staff. And the problems that come about as a result of scaling small businesses from management by, by pizza, so under 12 people, to um, sort of 50 people. And there's a lot of growing pains and there's a lot of good books. So um, uh, Daniel Priestley did it, does a, does there's a really good LinkedIn article that he did on the entrepreneur's journey. And so we stole a lot of that um, and um, talk about the desert and businesses going from 12 to 50 people and what it costs to introduce management overhead and other non-fee earning staff into the business. Mm. Um so I've never thought, well, I wish I did doctors or I wish I did dentists or I wish I did 
probably we, we you know well in jersey we wouldn't have scaled quicker there's like 10 of them but um you know in terms of um yeah i don't know how you can do advisory to the level that we're doing it and work with competing clients because anyone that talks to me about chinese walls is a liar uh in my humble and um you know especially over here it's just yeah. too too small mastermind groups don't work over here we've tried that and one of the one of the people in the room is related to one of the other's partners who then tells them something that they shouldn't have done and yeah. you know half a degree of separation so um we've had to choose the, the path that we've chosen i think if i was in the uk there's definite value in in marketing a niche i probably have five or six businesses with just different websites with the <laughs> with with a niche on them um and a, and a member of staff uh, for each but um all the problems are the same you know it, it, it's there's there's very rarely a new problem that comes up in the meetings um and i have to check myself now because i know what's coming and i'm a bit quick to go oh this is how you and i just gotta let them finish um <laughs> but it becomes quite tedious after seven years so um you know it's just trying to be patient and um, you know the best consultant so Paul Paul Dunn is incredible at helping people come to their own conclusions whereas I get bored really fast and go this is the problem and this is how we solve it so um, I need to work on that but um, yeah well, do, you, do you need to work on that you know because is, is it you know what do your clients actually want well so this is it so they're all sort of 40 to 60 year old white males except for a couple and they all think they know better. And three months after we've told them the solution, they come in and they've had this great idea. It's like, well, no, you haven't. That was my idea three months ago. But um, so actually, I think, we did. yeah, I do. Well, I don't. I do it in a sort of, oh, I'm sure we've talked about that before, you know, side of the way. But um, I think I would get change quicker, which ultimately is the goal, if I was less direct. Um, but it's also part of who I am. So I don't know what to do about it. And then, and then then we're back to you've got to be authentic about who you are. But actually, if you can be more coaching in extracting yeah. information in terms of the quality of the questions you ask, um, as opposed to the, um, you know, smash the nose against the, the wall called brutal truths um, yeah. and then see what see what happens, which um, may be a bit too much of a... There's a, there's a time for both, you know, and um, I haven't got the balance right. You know, that's why Jules is so good, because she'd never argue with anybody um and um we have a really good balance there between us where if somebody needs to come up with their own idea she's better to help deliver that message yeah 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 so what's what stopped you actually doing purpose in in the uk no oh just uh laziness and um you know we've got a couple of london clients who are charities or or other things i like getting on the plane well i used to like getting on the plane once a month and coming over and saying hello but um no i mean over over here there's no one doing what we're doing we've got a really good reputation you know bankers will tell clients that if they're with us they're more likely to get a loan you know i mean there's so there's the ego thing and uh being a, a you know overweight big fish in a tiny pond is better than than being an overweight small fish in a massive pond so um you know that's where yeah that's where i am with that 
And I guess it, it doesn't fit with you wanting to be uh, chief minister of Jersey. No, I mean, if, if we if we can get 15 clients bought over the next five years, then I'll pretty much know everything that's going on. So, um, you know, there's there's some benefits to that. And maybe if the number of employees add up to a certain number, then um, Look, they're going to two, vote for you anyway, Luke. 293 it? votes you get into government over here. So it uh, shouldn't be too challenging. Right, quid's in then. So <laughs> when, when do we come over and celebrate that in um, Project 52 then? 2028, we'll be, uh, you know, going for going for government. Once I've made, made enough money out of this and it all works well, then uh, the, the wages are terrible. So... I, you know, we'll have to have a crack at it once the uh, once I've hit my number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, I, I mentioned Project Fifty Two because I once uh, once went out for a night um, with Luke and my good lady wife, and we we drank too much champagne and ended up buying a fifty second part of a pub that Luke's and uh, which we still own, I think. Yeah, <laughs> no idea. It's still going. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Pub timeshare. Uh, yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> That's two lots I've got. Um, right, I am done. Uh, but apart from my uh, parting shot, which uh, you know I always ask, uh, what what's been of most value in this discussion for you, Luke? I'm going to start charging for Fathom and Spotlight. So um, you know we're probably well done, Jonathan. Yeah, well done, Jonathan. Checks it. I'll, I'll make the intro to Anthony and get your discount. Um, and um, I need to. I'm not going to bother to change about the directness. Like it's, you know, 43 now, can't be bothered. Um, but I think in terms of the prospect, I should be thinking more about what type of individual is coming. Um, and I should be thinking more about how we understand what they're thinking and therefore how I change my language when I'm having that conversation. So um, Martin's taught me a few good things around um, sales and process, which we are, which we have implemented, and that has worked well. So, always getting a second meeting and a few things like that. But yeah. I think what, 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 where I'm failing in the conversion is um, understanding their motive before they come, and not just sometimes reacting to it and sometimes not reacting to it. I think I need to be better at, at understanding their motive for being in the room. Right. So sometimes not what they say. It's you know it's the thing yeah. behind what they're saying, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think mate, you know your your comment earlier about sometimes you want to jump in too quick. That that that's in that same space, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Listening's not easy. Uh, but it's rather important. If you... <laughs> well, yeah, we're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess one of the challenges here, Luke, is that um, you know we're having a conversation with you seven eight years from you know kickstarting this it all, mm. it's all it's it's all working your average fee you know very high you know modest number of clients you're now starting to buy clients out you, you know the, the it's it's a different space from the vast majority of firms who are on this journey towards mm. either advisory or consulting i think that's been very valuable actually is just making that distinction between advisory versus consulting mm-hmm. um in that one scalable and one is you yeah. know actually that you need someone of a certain um yeah attitude personality and skill set yes you can learn skills but there's a personality and attitude piece which comes with it as well mm-hmm. and maybe experience um so that, that's been really valuable but it, it's it's trying to cut through and what we're going to do in the next session with these guys is just go right how do we unpick what we've learned today uh, that applies to uh, you know each individual firm or rather each individual person on on the session today that um isn't loop now it's you know loop 
seven years ago, arguably. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, g- genuinely, the where we, and it still happens right now, where you can highlight something in the numbers that they didn't know, that is gold dust. You know, still to this day, if you can change the way you're recording revenue or change the way you're recording costs and you say this line that the percentage of revenue on this line has changed compared to that why is that and is that a good thing you don't have to know the answer but you've you've actually changed the conversation to this is this is what your business is doing did you know that the answer will be no nine times out of ten and then is that a good thing well it it either is or it isn't and and that's where I think they feel that um, you're, you've got their back and you're thinking about it. And that's a really simple change. Yeah. You know, the, 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 we've struggled for years on the definition of cost of goods sold. And I know that sounds pathetic, but, but, but it, that the definition of cost of goods sold um, will define the success of virtually every business um, in terms of really understanding pricing and performance. And um, so anybody that's got a pub that just throws um, the cost of the booze into into uh, cost of sales is very naughty and needs to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And if there's anything accountants are good at is actually appreciating and, and, and digging down, use your word, to at a granular level, that cost of goods, cost of sale. Yeah. Um, and then bolt onto that some now some knowledge about good pricing. Yeah, um, you're nine tenths of the way, or is that too too big? A step? You know, uh, you know, most so the clients that have been with us for seven or eight years, and one of them said, "We're going to buy this business, and then we'll do your usual trick of increasing pricing." Um, and that's so, you know, the the uh, implementing value pricing by Ron Baker is well worth the hundred and thirty three pounds that he charges you for it. Um, and um, you know that that's life another life changing book on uh, on consultancy. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Workpapers, Advanced Track, Citago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online Click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.